Imagine staying in a small city that was founded by a Trojan hero in 1183 BC and was once home to both Dante and Galileo. It has the second oldest university in Italy and a chapel with frescoes by Giotto and the oldest botanical garden in the world. Padova, as it's pronounced in Italian, is yet another jewel that should be on your list. Benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italiano. My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I'm here with Tommaso, the one and only world favoloso, world famous Tommaso. Yes, and unlike our discussion that we'll have in a few minutes, I'm vertical and not laying down <laughs> in a medical amphitheater in Padua. So this is a very good thing. I'm not being dissected today. Ew, gross. I know, I know. <laughs> we'll get to that part. But first of all, I'd like to thank JH197 for her review on Apple Podcasts. And by the way, I'm just really guessing that JH is a she. So I'll stick with that and share that she wrote us a very kind review and told us to, quote unquote, keep it fun. She appreciates our amusing banter while we share our information, history, and enough travel tips that help her and other people plan their own vacation. And I'd like to sh have a shout out for a couple of other reviews, which I didn't even know existed, because when you look at the back end of Apple Podcasts, you've actually got to go country by country. So the podcasts that are visible if you're in America are the American podcasts and the, the American reviews, the American reviews and the reviews. If you're in Australia or South Africa or wherever are only visible in your country. Okay. So. For some reason, I just happened to get on to Australia because we know we have a lot of listeners devoted, in Australia. Devoted, devoted yes. listeners. And so, Fiona in Perth. Yes. How thank you. fabulous, Thank Fiona. you very much. And it was all the way from Perth, Australia. She thanked us. She said we had a charming chemistry. And uh, it's a great act, Fiona. It's a fantastic <laughs> act that we put on once a week. Not true. Also, Fiona, this is the 40th anniversary of the loss of the America's Cup this week, starting this week, and it went to Perth, Australia after that. So if you were around, if you're old enough to be around in 1987, you probably saw it. Anyway. For people that don't know, if this is your first time listening, you're wondering what in the world does the America's Cup have to do with Kimberly's Italy podcast on all things Italian? It's because Tommaso was on the American boat all those years ago. Okay, just a little... I like, was on the team, not on the boat. If I was on the boat, we wouldn't have lost. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> and the other person to shout out is Aussie Meg. And thank you very much. Came across the podcast. She wants to go to Italy with us. And thank you. Thank you so much for your reviews. It's really, really nice to have people on the other side of the earth. I mean, if there's one good thing about the world today, it's that we can transmit from little Jamestown Right. All the way to right. Western Australia. Well, regarding most people's um, reviews where they appreciate how we do keep it fun, that has been our goal since day one, which is now two and a half years ago or 912 days to be exact. Oh, dear. I had to, you know, get out a calculator and look that up. But, you know, me and math. 
So anyway, <laughs> nine, <laughs> 912 days ago, we decided let's do this thing and let's keep it fun. We're and all, we are. We're all the stuff we talk about. Italy, we measure in years, like 900 years ago. Yeah, exactly. This is 912 (laughs) days. But I have to say, Tommaso and I have fun in just about everything we do together. But traveling is our pinnacle, our pinnacle of fun, because we truly enjoy the adventure, the mishaps, the new places we visit, the new things we learn. All of it is fun. Everything is fun except the airplane ride. Yes. Well, that is an issue right now. And I read an article last night that stated that most airlines are deliberately making economy seats less comfortable so that passengers will hopefully book the economy plus seats for the next trip, which obviously cost a lot more. So on the basis of that article that I read, I checked a flight from Boston to Rome Fumicino because we don't get to fly direct very often anywhere because Boston doesn't seem to have very many flights, but there was one Delta flight that was direct. So the base fare before you did anything was $702 round trip was okay. And then once you got into actually wanting to check a bag and everything else, choose a seat, hold on. I'm not, I jumped ahead. I think you jumped ahead there. Okay. I don't have all the facts on this, but it was eight fifty five, And I think you actually got a chance to choose a seat at that point. I'm not, I don't have the facts because I was a little bit discouraged by this. <laughs> but then they went to premium economy, which was $1,900. Now, there is no food an airline is going to provide that, that makes that, that money makes worth that, it. That makes that money worth it. Absolutely. You can always, if you're lucky, like we try and do, grab an exit row and pay the extra 40 or 50 bucks for the exit row. And then all of a sudden it was, Almost seven grand for business class. Now that's way out of most people's thoughts. But the simple fact is, nineteen hundred for what? For what? Probably two extra inches, basically. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, and a little bit of extra food and a little bit of extra drink. The first thing I want to do when I sit down is get to sleep. So I don't really care about the food service. Well, unfortunately, it's not about the customer anymore when it comes to flying. But it is the only way for those of us outside the European continent to get to Italy. So we just have to grin and bear it. Allora, let's chat happy things and about the fabulous little city of Padova, which Americans pronounce Padua or Padua, (laughs) but in Italian, Padova. In Boston, we say Padua. (laughs) You probably would. Oh, that's great. It's only about 40 kilometers west of Venice in the Veneto region. And since you know that we love history, Padova has its fair share, naturally. It was doing fine on its own since early BC, as I mentioned, founded in 1183 BC. Therefore, it claims to be the most ancient city in northern Italy. It later became part of the Roman Empire in 45 BC, but then again, who wasn't part of the Roman Empire, right? Pretty much everything that (laughs) revolved around the Mediterranean. And then you know the rest, just like about everywhere else in Italy and Europe, it was ruled by others over the centuries. And then finally, Padova decided to start picking some fights and they chose Vicenza and Venezia. 
That went on for a while, and then finally somehow they settled down by 1400, and it prospered under Venetian rule. So clearly, they lost that fight. They lost that fight, but they also (laughs) came to their senses. Right. I mean, the Venetians really had it together. Exactly. And Padova thrived economically and culturally. The cultural and scholarly part came about in the mid-1500s, when the University of Padova was founded. One of the teachers was Galileo, who taught from 1592 until 1610, and word is that those were the happiest years of his life. I just want to say one thing. There is no professor, university professor that I had at BU that will be spoken about in 500 years. Boston University. Yes, Boston University. Okay. Well, you weren't living during the days of Galileo. So there you have it. Truth. There is a building at the university called Palazzo Bo, spelled B-O, and within that palazzo is a room called Sala di Quaranta. Sala di Quaranta, which means the room of 40, is definitely worth a visit if you go to Padova. There are murals painted on the walls of 40 international scholars, students, alchemists, scientists, physicians, and humanists that taught and studied at the university between the 14th and 19th century. And underneath one set of paintings on the wall stands Galileo's podium that his students made for him. It's very rustic looking. It looks like it's made out of reclaimed barn wood. It doesn't (laughs) doesn't fit really um, in this room with all these beautiful paintings, but there it is. It's so fantastic t- to stand there and look at it and think, Dio mio, that's from a long time ago, made by his students. So it's an extraordinary room to stand in, knowing what these 40 people, plus most likely hundreds and hundreds more, made happen at this school. For example, William Harvey was an English physician, and he was the first person to accurately describe the circulation of blood in the human body, and he did so either in that room or in that school. Now, this type of subject, circulation of blood and all this kind of stuff we're going into may not be at get the, to very the pasta. Top. Get to the yeah, pasta. Exactly. We're not going to the pasta right here. May today. not be the top of your list when you think of, I want to go to Italy for a vacation. But if you find yourself in Padova, And in the university, do go see it. It's exceptional to realize what was studied there, learned, taught, and all from little teeny Padova. It was then shared around the globe. You go to Italy for a number of reasons, and oftentimes places like this will have less of the mass crowd also. Correct. And you learn something and you're still going to get great food. Yes. You're just not going to be there with 3,000 tourists around the Trevi Fountain in Rome. Mm-hmm. I just want to speak one minute for the last tidbit about this university. I was so in awe of that surgical theater in Bologna. Remember, we sat there for a half an hour and it was great because there was hardly anyone in there. So you could absorb and sort of try and think about it and place yourself in that time. Right. But I found out that the one at the University of Padua is older. It is indeed. And actually, it's the oldest surviving anatomical theater in the world. I know. 
And I just wanted to say that about 20 videos were from the university's Facebook page. I got Yeah, they have a very extensive thorough, extensive. Exactly. It's one of the best things on Facebook. Right. Um, but it's unbelievable to look at it. And they explain it so well. Even they are enamored by its history. Yes. And they deal with it every single day. They're proud. And it was built in 1594, and it is very unique architecturally. And I think sort of going back to building this, it was different to build things out of stone, but to build it out of wood, mm-hmm. you had to join wood at that time. You know, it wasn't like layering stone, and it was friction that kept everything together, essentially. It's elliptical in shape. It has no windows. It has six viewing levels, which are sort of stacked up if you look at it. There were students that stood behind these very ornate carved wood balustrades. I mean, nothing was given over to sort of industrial look at that point. No, it's stunning. Absolutely. If you think about the difference there, when we sat on the wooden seats in the theater in Bologna, daylight streaming in, (laughs) you know, all these carved uh, uh, bus the physicians around us. But still, I want to see this one regardless as well, because- Putting yourself in this position with no light and having this, excuse me here, but this corpse, you know, basically separated in front of you and examined in front of you. I, I, gory, no, no, gory, no, gory. You, no, it must have been fascinating. But also, if you just think of the atmosphere, there was no electric light, so it had to be lit with torches. Torches, exactly. You know, so you've got torches, you've got smell, smell, <laughs> and, and the major differences between these and two. no air conditioning. Exactly, and the. Major difference between these two anatomical theaters is that in Padova, they stood. They stood in those circular levels and stood and looked down, as opposed to like you just described in in Bologna. We were just relaxing on the cross your legs. Exactly. (laughs) So, anyway, for those of you that are interested in this, think about everything that took place at this school. The University of Padova is widely acknowledged as the birthplace of modern medicine. Those are the people, I'm sure, that visit Padova. Medical students, doctors, scholars, you know, because standing in that building in in those rooms is remarkable. So the next time your physician is looking at an MRI or a high resolution (laughs) scan or an x-ray or something else that's that's beeping next to you, think about it. It all started way back then. Allora, we need to move on to other interesting things that Padova has to offer. And I have to admit that I have not been there in several years. So it's now on our list, which, by the way, Tommaso is ever growing. We just need to move there tomorrow. (laughs) However, the first time I went to Padova was while I lived in Milano. And I drove there with somebody and my other friends that lived there told me to meet them at Padova's largest piazza, which is totally unlike any piazza in Milano that I was used to. It's called Prato della Valle, and it's this massive oval-shaped public, let's call it a gathering space instead of a piazza. And there's a central island formed by a man-made oval canal, and I clearly, this is a long time ago, I clearly remember the water looking it looked just as stagnant as the water in the Navili in Milano, the canals where I lived. Mm-hmm. But I went years, maybe six, seven years ago, and it definitely, they put some kind of system in place that to moved, circulate. moves the water, thank yeah, goodness. Or they opened up one end of it, which was probably all blocked up or something. It was, it was a little gnarly in the, the, my first visit. However, 
The most impressive feature about this gathering place are the 70 life-size sculptures that line the canal, and they all depict people who influenced Padova, like Galileo, Andrea Mantegna, the painter, and Francesco Petrarca. And for those of you who do not know who Petrarca is, he was a scholar and a poet, and some give him credit for initiating the Renaissance. That is a very significant reputation. And a lot of English-speaking people might know the way the English translated it to Petrarch with an H at the end, but it's Francesco Petrarca. That's a, that's a hard reputation to sort of hold up. Exactly. Hey, Jude, you started the Renaissance? <laughs> I know, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> Much out, though. <laughs> You're getting a good dose of history today. I didn't, even, I didn't know that. Did you, have you heard of, well, Petrarch, have you heard of him in English? They would call him Frank Petrarch. <laughs> Francesco Petrarca. Look him up, you guys. All right. Padova is also very well known for its patron saint, San Antonio, or Saint Anthony. He is referred to simply as Il Santo. You know, you walk around and people actually talk about Il Santo. As if he's coming back next week. Yes. He is buried inside the Basilica of San Antonio, naturally. And this basilica, it's worth going into, and I'm not going to go into my church lady obsession here, but the brick facade is a little misleading because you go inside and it is so richly decorated. But again, you wouldn't know it from that plain brick face. And the other quirky thing about this basilica is it has six, maybe eight domes on top that are covered in, I don't think it's bronze, it's some kind of metal. So you're seeing these domes and a brick facade and you're thinking, hmm, half Byzantine, half whatever. Right, so right, right. It's a mix. A, there's a lot going on in this basilica. So right. definitely go check it out. Interesting. I'd be interested in seeing that church. Yes. And one of Padova's other claims to fame is the world's oldest botanical garden, which, by the way, is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Technically, the city of Pisa built a botanical garden before Padova. However, it was later moved. Therefore, Padova's botanical garden is the oldest one on the planet in its original location. And all of this makes perfect sense that it's the oldest because the botany professors at the University of Padova grew all the plants for medicinal research. And do you know that that is the origin of botanical gardens? Mm -hmm. I did not know that. I didn't know it either. So there you are, something new we both learned today. Well, yes, you learned it yesterday when you thought about this whole episode. <laughs> I learned it today when you told me about well, it. Just now. Just now. <laughs> okay, so this garden was designed and built in 1545, and you can visit both the original and the newer garden, which has over 6,000 plants and 3,500 species. And when I read that, I was thinking, Tomaso and I have several friends here who are super talented gardeners. Like, we we are not in that group. No, we don't have the teeniest bit of green we, in our- We um, grow weeds. Not not weed, not marijuana, weeds, weeds in our uh, yard. Plural, yes. <laughs> anyway, I can only imagine how Abby or Kate or Vivi, our friends, how they would react seeing this, the world's oldest botanical garden. That sounds like right? a kitten, potential kitten club trip. <gasps> Good idea. Buoni Dea, Tommaso. 
I'll, I'll share the word. Ladies. Yes. Okay. Now, let's move on for you art lovers. The painter, Giotto. And by the way, do you know his last name, Tommaso? I, I don't. And that's because no one ever refers to it. Like Leonardo da Vinci. You always heard that. But Giotto di Bondone. It's like Mick Jagger. You never, <laughs> you never hear the Jagger. It's just like Mick. Everyone's understood. Bad analogy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Giotto di Bondone. He was commissioned by a local man named Enrico Scroveni to paint the walls of a chapel that had been at the time connected to Enrico's villa. And these frescoes line the entire chapel and they narrate the events in the lives of the Virgin Mary and Jesus. And I am not sure if he painted the ceiling, but that is what I remember when I walked into this little chapel. It's pretty teeny. You walk in and boom, the ceiling. I think it had recently been restored. And the ceiling is this royal, royal screaming blue with little gold gilded stars. And then Giotto's frescoes are on the wall. It's it's incredible. So it really, it's small, but it's really remarkable. And one more old and yet another amazing architectural feat in Padova. You need to go see Palazzo Ragione. It's immense. And the upper floor is believed to be one of the largest medieval halls still in existence today. That's pretty significant. Padova is so small and yet it has all these like super significant places, things, history. And to be honest, when you walk into this Palazzo Regione, into the upper hall, it's one of those places or interiors that literally makes you gasp. I'm not kidding. And why? You're looking at me like, why? I'm well, just still looking at you why you didn't send me the link to this prior to the episode so I could have looked at you it. You were busy doing other things. That's okay. okay. Anyway, you can do it after the fact. <laughs> All right. So they call it the Salone, which it just means a salon. So this large Salone is the largest hall in all of Europe without support columns. That's why you gasp. You walk in there and you think, even if you have no architectural background or study in you, you know something is totally unique here because you don't see support columns. It's so impressive. And first time I walked in there, I remember thinking, as I looked up at the ceiling, it reminded me, of the bottom of an old ship's hull because it's all made of wood lining it. And then perpendicular are the wooden beams that, what do you call that in a ship's hull? A rib, that wooden beam? Yeah, Okay. rib. So you have to see, look it up when we're done here, but you need to see it in real life because it's really, truly unique. And it's all timber. It's the ceiling. The ceiling is all timber. Timber. And below, it's like an inverted ship's hull. That's right. the way to say it. Okay. And below it, the below the ceiling are frescoes that depict astrological cycles supposedly designed by a friend of Marco Polo. I find that quirky too. And we just need to go. It's all of you, if you're in Padova, go into Palazzo Ragione to the Salone on top. It's one of the most impressive interiors you will ever see. Well, talk about a greatest hits list here. Giotto. Exactly. Potentially a friend of Marco Galileo. Polo. The be- Galileo. The beginning of the re- the inventor. Exactly. The this person little, who started the Renaissance. This little city packs a punch. Ooh. <laughs> That's good. 
<laughs> That's cute, right? My new tag name for Padova. <laughs> anyway, maybe it will go viral. Padova packs a punch. Padua packs oh my a punch. gosh, it can be the name of our episode. That is it. Touche. You were here. We didn't have to go back and say, what are we going to call that? <laughs> okay. Let me just finish. The best thing about this building, Palazzo Ragione, is, which, by the way, it was built in 1218. I forgot to mention that. That Salone, that top room and the building is still in use today. And the Salone on the top floor used to be the hall, town hall and justice offices. But now you just visit it. But the floor below, they simply call Soto Salone, which means below the salon. And it is still today used as a, a market, cheeses, meats, etc. And then here's my favorite part about the whole thing. The two piazzas on either side of this building, they have different names. One is called Piazza della Erbe, which means herbs. Mm-hmm. And the other side of the building is Piazza dei Frutti, fruit. So what do you think they sell? Vegetables and herbs on the one piazza and fruit on the other. You know, that's you probably walk up and talk to a few of those people, and you could do this when we go, because we are going after this episode. Certo. And you could probably ask them, how many generations has this stall exactly. been in Each your family? Because these things, forever. these things sort of don't trade. No. Yeah, it's amazing, and it makes your shopping so simple. I only need fruit, so I'm only going to go to the east side today. Right. <laughs> wow. All right. Now, speaking of today... Let me chat about visiting today, currently. Personally, I suggest you stay a few nights. They do get a lot of day trippers because it's only 30 minutes by train from Venezia, but you could say the opposite of that. Some people may choose to stay in Padova and do a day trip to 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 Venezia. Sure. But regardless of where you are in Italy, the day tripper thing, and maybe all over Europe, is a huge thing. It is. During the day, it's just so massively crowded. So if you stay in a place that really speaks to you, that you think you would really enjoy, stay overnight in Padova because, again, like everywhere else in a small place, you will have it to yourself along with the locals, obviously. And another big plus to stay here is that there are so many very reasonably priced small boutique type hotels to stay in. There's no hotel chains. There's nothing massive. I don't even know if there's any, you know, luxury five-star accommodations. I didn't. I'm sure there are. I don't know. I didn't really. No, they're everywhere in Italy. No. Regardless, you can stay for a very reasonable amount of money in very fine, sweet places. And you can also choose to stay in rentals. They have a lot of renovated palazzos that have rooms or apartments available for rent. And in summary, staying in Padova is definitely less expensive than Venezia in terms of quality. The type of place that you would stay in Padova is less expensive than the same quality in Venezia. And And, and probably in the late in the evening, as we love to do, walk around those narrow passageways Mm -hmm. and listen to your heels. Yes. Echoing off the sides. But I have to say, how much do we love that in Venezia too? Yes. We just stay up late, later than 90% of the tourists and have Venezia to ourselves. But this is about Padova. So finally, 
You won't go hungry there either. That's for sure. It's Italy. Loads of <laughs> ristorante and osteria to choose from, and they will all specialize in the Veneto regional cuisine. And you know what else is delicious from the Veneto? I'm Il thinking, vino. I'm thinking vino. Il vino. Tutto delicioso. So what do you think, Tommaso? I bet you we've convinced at least some of you listeners to visit Bella Padova. And I know for sure I need to make a return trip with you because I want to see Tommaso's expression when he walks into that Salone at the Palazzo Ragione. That rhymes. Salone at the Ragione. <laughs> well, maybe it'll be a kitten club gardening tour. Well, Dea, that is brilliant. Well, you know what? I'm just going to segue for a second into the gardens of Italy. I wanted to combine this with the history of the Palladio Gardens. Oh, yeah. Know all that? Mm-hmm. But instead, I think we should do an entire episode on it. Even if you don't care about gardening, it is so impressive and so incredible, the history and the design of, of it all. So that will be a whole, a further episode. Okie dokie. Va bene. Va bene. All right. Hey, basta. Grazie mille, amici. And speak to you next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, tutti.